0: Welcome to the podcast of Palmetto Baptist Church. Thank you for tuning in. We pray that the following message will help you connect, grow, and serve in your relationship with God and others. Ecclesiastes chapter 4. Ecclesiastes in the Old Testament. Deep in the Old Testament. We'll be reading from chapter 4, beginning with verse 9. This month I've been in a series called Relationship Status. The first Sunday, we talked about marriage relationships. The second Sunday, we dealt with friendship relationships. Last Sunday, we dealt, we dealt with uh, managing our relationships with difficult people. And now today, I want us to talk about our workplace relationships. This message is entitled, Workplace Matters. Workplace Matters. For those of you who are not familiar with Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes was written by a wisdom teacher, may have been Solomon, we're not quite sure. But whoever it was, the writer of Ecclesiastes was going through a midlife crisis, a transitional crisis. And it was a crisis that uh, produced several questions within him. Uh, in particular, what is the meaning of life? And he began searching frantically for meaning and happiness and fulfillment in life. He looked in wisdom. Uh, He looked in education. He looked in pleasure. He looked in wealth. He looked among his general friendships, and all of them failed to provide the amount of meaning and happiness that he was most looking for in life. Uh, he comes to the end of his journal, which Ecclesiastes is a journal in a poetic form of his pursuit of happiness and meaning. At the end of that journal, he, he finally resigns himself to realize that happiness, whatever it is, and it is elusive in human life, whatever it is, it is ultimately found uh, in a relationship with God, in a right relationship with God. But he does talk about in the middle of this journal, he talks about uh, the importance of friends, the people with whom he works. So Ecclesiastes chapter four, beginning with verse nine, he says, two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be empowered, overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not easily broken. If you have a job, and I know you're thankful for it, but if you have a job, then quite probably the people you work with, you spend more waking hours with those people than you do with your own family. Many of us. And so the relationship, the quality of the relationships that we have with people we work with is so vitally important because it can impact every other relationship we have. It can impact our relationship with God, it can impact our relationship with our spouses, with our kids, with the rest of our families. And so, uh, I want you to know that God cares about your relationships at work. And the Scriptures, God's Word, have have a lot to say to us about our workplace relationships. So I want us together to go to the Scriptures. We're going to be looking at several Scriptures, including uh, those from Ecclesiastes, to try to glean from the Scriptures what God wants us to know about our workplace relationships. The first thing that I I want us to know about uh, workplace relationships is that the scriptures highlight the importance of working with people. The scriptures highlight the importance of working with people. You see the truth is uh, God knows that we are better together than we are apart and this is backed up by God in his word. In Ecclesiastes, again, chapter 4, repeating verses 9 and the last part of verse 12, he says two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor, their work. And then the last part of verse 12, a cord of three strands is not quickly or easily broken. So two are better than one and three are even better than one or two. So uh, God recognizes, in fact, he has designed our human lives so that we operate better together than we do by ourselves. Granted, there are some things that we have to do on our own individually, but there are other things that we can't do as well alone as we can do with others. In Proverbs chapter 27, verse 17, the writer of Proverbs says, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. Now in order for one person to sharpen another person you have to have at least two because uh, one person cannot do that alone. In Hebrews chapter 10 verses 24 and 25 the writer of Hebrews says this he says let us consider how we may spur that is encourage one another on toward love and good deeds not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day that is the end of time approaching. In Genesis chapter 2 verse 18, a verse that we normally equate and rightly so with marriage relationships, there is a verse that also tells us uh, something about the value of other people in addition to our spouses. Genesis 2 verse 18, and the Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. So the scriptures are adamant in highlighting the importance of working with other people. Mark chapter 6 verse 7, uh, an early Early in the ministry of Jesus, he already has called together his 12 main apostles or disciples. And verse 7 says, and he called the 12 and began to send them out, not one by one but two by two, and he gave them authority over the unclean spirit. So could Jesus have sent the disciples out uh, on their own, one in one place, another in another place, and a third in another place, all the way to all 12 of them? Yes, he could. But, But Jesus saw the value in sending them out in pairs. You see, God has designed your world and my world in such a way that we are more productive when we work with other people. But not only does Scripture highlight the importance of working with people, but Scripture encourages us to recognize the importance of every colleague with whom we work. You see, from God's perspective, everyone is important. Regardless of where they've been in life, regardless of, of their successes or past failures, regardless of their education status, their social status, regardless of their racial status, regardless of any of those things, every person is important. And when, when, you, uh, f- when you narrow that focus down to the people with whom you work, then it also applies there too. everyone you work with is important. Everyone you work with is someone from whom you can learn something and you can mutually be benefited. So everyone is important. The Apostle Paul, when he wrote his first letter to the church at Corinth, the Corinth that was uh, deeply divided, he emphasized the importance of every person in that church. And what he says about that church can be applied to your workplace. Here's what he says in 1 Corinthians, beginning with verse 12. He says, just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. And by the way, so it is with your workplace. For we were all baptized in one spirit so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now then, for instance, he says, if the foot should say because I'm not the hand, I don't belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. If the ear should say, because I'm not the eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body if the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, he says, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he, God, wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. This is true of the church. It's also true of your workplace and the people with whom you work, if you work with other people. Paul goes on to say this. He says, the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. That's what was happening in the church at Corinth. There were some people who thought that they were more important than other people and they would let those other people know it. There were other people who thought they were more gifted, more talented than others and they would let them know it, uh, constantly comparing themselves to each other and they failed to realize the, the value and the importance of each other as a whole. And so he says, on the contrary, verse 22 Those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are actually indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty. While our presentable parts need no special treatment, he says, but God has put the body together, giving great honor to the parts that lacked it, So that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. So if one part suffers, very important, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every person, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ and each one of you is a part of it. So every colleague you work with is important. You say, well, I only work with one other person. That other person is important. Well, I work with 50 people and I don't know all of them equally. That's all right. They are equally important. They all have something to contribute. In Ephesians chapter four, the apostle Paul again, writing to a group of churches in and around Ephesus, he says this, he says, so Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service, for what purpose? So that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Every week, uh, one of my favorite uh, hour and a half periods is when I get to sit down with our whole church staff that's available and we, we talk about prayer concerns. We pray for, our, for you and for each other. And we share our, our problems. We, we talk about uh, things that need to be resolved. We talk about plans for the near and far future. And I relish that time with them. And as I look around the circle of people on the, the staff with whom I work, I realize how vital each one is. We are a team. And every person on our staff right now is a team player. I think about Eric and what a great job he already is doing as our new youth pastor. And and there is even an electricity in his voice when he gets up and instead of me giving the welcome and the pastoral prayer, he gets up and he says, it's good to have my face in the house. And I'm thinking, whoa, that's, that's awesome, man. He just adds something to our staff. We have We have some young people who heretofore were not attending Wednesday night who start attending Wednesday night. We have some other young people who've been attending Wednesday night, but they never open their mouths. And Eric has gotten them to start speaking and discussing openly. I mean, he's a vital part of our church. Renee Milner, what a vital part of our church. That girl, I don't know where she gets the energy she is. I I think it's like maybe this. I I use, my energy is like regular unleaded. She uses uh, aerospace energy for hers. Man, she is constantly doing stuff. The girl is worth her weight in gold. I think about Jess Wilbanks. One of the best employees we have done. One of the best calls that we have made as a church, best decisions we've made is to bring that girl on to be our senior adult minister. Man, she is rolling. And I think about Leighton Cannon. Leighton Cannon, who fills in for us now as the interim worship leader. Where would we have been during these gap times were it not for Leighton Cannon? He saved our lives is what he's done. I appreciate him so very much. And I I think about, uh, I think about Damon Skelton, our traditional worship leader. And then I think about uh, Dina Duffy, our preschool director, who, who goes kind of unsung and, 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 and with too many days without being, being thanked. And I, I just realize what, how vital she is and our preschool teachers are to, to what we do. And I think about Kathy Wood. Kathy Wood. You know what I love about Kathy Wood among the things I love she's easy to talk with she's a great listener and I love when when you walk into our uh, our main office she greets you with that beautiful smile I like it whenever you call the church office and she picks up the phone and it is a pleasant voice that greets you whenever she answers I love that she's so vital to what we do and I think about Dwayne Knox Many of you know Dwayne Knox. He's our facilities manager. Don't call him a custodian. Don't call him a custodian. He's a facilities manager, and in fact, I'll go a little bit farther, and I call him our unofficial associate pastor. The guy's incredible. He does a huge work here for our church, but more than that, his his advice, his uh, counsel is so very important. I went up to him this week, and I said, Dwayne. Actually, we went to lunch. I took him to Oz Pizza and I said, I said, Dwayne, there's something that I'd like to do. And I shared with him what it was I'd like to do. And he stopped for a minute and he paused. I always hate it when Dwayne pauses. He stopped and he paused and he says, and why on earth would you do that? I said, well, it's just something I'd like to do. Well, why on earth would you do that? I said, well, it would make me feel better to be able to get this off my chest. He said, so it would make you feel better to do this. I said, shut up, what, Dwayne. He's the voice of reason. He's the voice that keeps us all with our feet on the floor whenever we'd like to just go flying off in some crazy direction. What I'm saying to you is that that where you work, it's it's much the same as here where I work. These people mean everything to me and, and, and they, your workplace colleagues mean everything to you. So, recognize the importance of every colleague. Number three, if you want to improve your workplace relationships, if you want to up the caliber of the relationships you have at work, then by all means, number three, consider the quality of your own work. Nothing impacts your relationship with your coworkers anymore than the quality of the work that you yourself do. You, you can't necessarily make anybody else uh, do their, their work well, but you can, can control the, the caliber of the work that you yourself do. In Galatians chapter 6 verse 9, the Apostle Paul said, Do not let us grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. In Romans chapter 12, verse 16, Paul says, live in harmony with one another. And how do you do that? He says, do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Again, Paul in Philippians chapter two, verses three and four, he says, do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you not look not only to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. Now be careful how you interpret that last sentence. He's not giving us permission to mind somebody else's business. That's not what he's doing. What he is doing, he's giving us the permission and the instruction to compliment, encourage, and edify, and lift up the other people we work with. And folks, I, I, I'll tell you this, for a Christian, for you and me who, are, who know the Lord is our Savior and our Lord, the best motivation for improving our own quality of work is to realize that our work is inseparably linked to Jesus Christ. You say, well, man… <laughs> At my job, there's nothing spiritual about my job. Yes, there is. Well, uh, there's nothing religious about my job. Yes, there is. There you can't do a job that's not linked to Christ. The Apostle Paul said to the Colossians in chapter 3, verse 23: He says, Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men. When you do your job. You're not working for some man or woman or some CEO or president or supervisor or administrator or foreman or foreperson. You are ultimately working, if you're a Christian, you're ultimately working for Jesus and the way you do your work, the quality in which you do your work says something to everybody else about how important Jesus is to you. So making sure you perform your work at its highest level goes a long way. In enhancing work relationships. One final thing from the scripture I want to say about workplace relationships. Inevitably, you will encounter conflicts. I mean, if, you, if you're working with people, conflict is inevitable. Uh, how we handle conflicts is going to be the key uh, to how it impacts our relationships. So here's what I want to say. Handle conflicts in a timely, honest, and respectful manner handle conflicts in a timely, honest, and respectful manner. Now, the scriptures start off telling us how not to handle conflicts, Uh, not an untimely, dishonest, or disrespectful manner. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 31 and 32, Paul says, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you Along with all malice. Instead, be kind to one another. Do you realize this? You will never have to apologize, nor ever want to apologize for being kind to somebody. Be kind to one another, he says, tender hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. But for so many of us, our, our default position, our default and initial response to a conflict is is, is bitterness and, and wrath and anger and, and gossip and backbiting. Listen, uh, when you have conflict on a job with someone, don't let your first response be to go talking about that person with everybody else. Instead, if you have something to say, Go straight to that person. But before you even do that, pray over it. Think about it. Be careful. The tone of your voice, the words that you choose to use. Use, use, uh, handle conflict in a timely manner. In Matthew chapter 18, verses 15 through 17, the words of Jesus, he says, If your brother or your sister sins against you, if somebody does something against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. And if he listens to you, you have gained a brother. I'll tell you that when there are conflicts that arise between two or more people, if more of us would, would pray over it and think about it and, and let the first person we talk to about it be that person with whom we have a conflict— And if we use the right tone of voice, and if we use the right words, most of the time, whatever the problem is can at least be resolved, or if we have to agree to disagree, at least we'll leave after having shook hands together and maybe hugged one another. But we need to do it in a timely manner. Second, we need to do it in an honest manner. In Ephesians chapter 4, verses 15 and 16, Paul says this. He says, speaking the truth in love. We are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so it builds itself up in love. Speak the truth in love. Now, both of those components are essential. A lot of times there are folks who can speak the truth but they don't do it in a loving way and it comes across as very abrasive. And, and the first response that we'll have is to resist even, even if what they're saying is true. There are other people who love you so much they just can't bear to, to share the truth with you when that truth might hurt. Proverbs says, faithful are the wounds of a friend. I would say faithful are the wounds of a true friend. A true friend is someone who will say the truth to you, but they will do it in a loving way because they care about you and they care about the relationship and they care about the work that you all do together. A timely manner, an honest manner, and a respectful manner. Proverbs chapter 15 verse 1 Says this, a soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. A harsh word stirs up anger. Andy Mills is the co chair of the Theology of Work Project. Andy became a Christian after he was already a CEO of a company. And he has, he has begun asking himself this question, and I encourage each of us to ask this question to ourselves, what difference does being a Christian make for my work? What difference should me being a Christian make in my work, in my relationship with my colleagues? For that matter, what difference should being a Christian make in your marriage? or among your, 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 just your general friends or your family? Or what, what difference should being a Christian make in how you and I deal with difficult people? I'll tell you that it ought to make all the difference in the world. It is a travesty that so many people can look at the way we Christians act, and they can't tell any difference between the way we act versus the way the world acts. There ought to be a clear and noticeable and positive difference in the way you and I live and in the way you and I interact with other people. Andy Mills said this, he says, the Bible makes it clear that work matters to God. And no matter what your profession or occupation, whether you are a parent or a bus driver or an artist or an engineer, God cares about your work. I want to close with two verses that you'll find in uh, Paul's last letter to Timothy. Paul is in prison. He's about to be executed. He knows it. He will be beheaded. Somewhere around 64, 65 AD, the Roman Emperor Nero will have the Apostle Paul beheaded. While Paul's in prison, he writes to his young colleague named Timothy. Timothy is not with Paul at this time. I don't want you to listen to this. Beginning with verse 6 of 2 Timothy 4. He says, I'm already being poured out as a drink offering. The time of my departure, my death is at hand. I have fought the good fight. I have kept the faith. I have finished the course. He said, finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge will give to me on that day and not to me only, but also to all those who have loved his appearing. Paul knows he's about to die and so, what, was his, what, what were some of his major requests at that point where he knew his earthly life was limited? Listen to this, verse 9. To Timothy, he says, be diligent to come to me quickly. Be diligent to come to me quickly, Timothy. That's verse 9. In verse number 21, just a few verses later, he says this, do your utmost to come before winter, Timothy. Come quickly and come before winter. What's he saying? I need you, Timothy. You're a colleague I could depend on. You're a colleague that I have benefited from. You're a colleague that I poured myself into. I need you here. Paul recognized in the final days of his life the importance of his work colleague, Timothy. Friends, I want you to hear me. Don't let us be people who separate who we are as a Christian from who we are anywhere else. Don't let us be people who separate who we are in church versus who we are out of church. I want you to consider this. Everything you and I do must be listed under the sacred category because everything we do is something that God cares about, that Jesus cares about. And everything we do, whether it's work or family or friends or what have you, everything we do is an opportunity to let people see Jesus in us. And that is the most important thing that you and I will ever do, is let Jesus be reflected in the way we live. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for a job to go to. Thank you for a job to which you called us. Thank you that you care about the work we do. And thank you for providing for us, the people around us who help us who sharpen us, who sometimes sand us, as Miss Renee said, who help us. God, help us to appreciate those colleagues and help us to always be working to improve the caliber of our own work so that we're never the weakest link in the chain of colleagues. And Lord, I pray that you would remind all of us every morning when we get up that every day we have the opportunity to reflect Christ. And that is our utmost calling. And Lord, I pray for anyone who is here right now in this place who has never made the decision to receive you, Lord, as their Savior and their Lord. And I pray that they would come forward And say yes to you right here in this invitation. I pray this in the name of Jesus our Savior. Amen.